This B-Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. Setting these students on this crazy trajectory that's getting them from C grades to A grades to, you know, being a bench warmer on their sports team to being a starting lineup. And the first thing was attitude. Welcome back to the podcast, Big Ideas in Small Windows. I'm your host, Mike Gaskell, and I'm delighted to welcome my next guest, who is a podcaster in the world of learning and the brain. Andrea Samadhi started as a teacher in Toronto and has spent 26 years working on social-emotional learning to help students. Andrea knows firsthand about stress in the classroom because her first job at the University of Toronto's Faculty of Education was a behavioral class. She felt overwhelmed by the lack of resources to help her manage and teach her students. So what did she do? Set out on a mission to find ways to support students and educators in the classroom. Andrea is the author of the book Level Up, which offers dozens of online lessons and resources and helps students access those big aha moments. Now a resident of Arizona, the state's Department of Education provided her with a character and leadership grant, and she discovered that educators were in dire need of programs that taught the basics of neuroscience. Andrea has consulted Mark Robert Waldman, one of the leading neuroscience researchers, and used her time with Mark to show how the brain impacts learning, achievement, well-being, and results. Officially a neuroscience expert, she just finished her advanced certification in mindfulness-based neurocoaching, which is a rigorous program showing how brain-based, evidence-based, and mindfulness-based coaching strategies work in educational life. Andrea's podcast, Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning, provides resources, tools, and strategies that can help anyone and be used by everyone. She's interviewed leaders in educational neuroscience psychology in the brain, such as Dr. Daniel Siegel, Dr. John Medina, and Dr. Laura DeSaltos. She's reached 150,000 listeners across 155 countries. Andrea is currently working on her third book, packing all of the research ideas she's gathered in one place to consolidate the best minds sharing on stress learning in the brain, brain-aligned strategies to skyrocket literacy achievement, and emotions learning in the brain. Enjoy this deep dive and how learning in the brain can help children and families who need this set of strategies more than ever. Okay, so Andrea, you know, you taught middle school, just like me, to children with behavioral challenges. Could you tell my audience what was missing in terms of supports? What made you feel overwhelmed? Yeah, definitely. Now, I got to tell you that I was actually hired by my middle school history teacher, Mr. Black. And for my first assignment, I thought, oh, he's going to give me an incredible class. He was a ref for the CFL, that's the Canadian Football League for anyone who knows Canadian football, but 
I thought this guy's gonna give me the best class. I'm gonna have it made. I was so excited and I show up and I've got the behavioral students, me and one other guy. And we had zero training in behavioral management. And so my big dream of, you know, like whatever teaching was gonna be like was quickly shattered. And uh, it was stressful. It was high stress. It was me in front of the classroom of students. Uh, there was no learning happening. I could see the buzzer on the wall that I could push to get someone to come help if they came at all. And I just had to figure it out. So, you know, that's when, when I said that I didn't have the strategies, I was overwhelmed. But what I was counting down the days for when it was all gonna be over. But if you were to have asked all my friends, you know, is Andrea a quitter? They would have said no she would never quit and i did i did quit and broke my contract but i wanted to come back in a way that i had ideas and strategies so i never really left the realm of teaching and learning i kept going and was looking for solutions to what you know overwhelmed me back in the day yeah so i mean i think sometimes you know teachers can feel like they're on an island by themselves and there's no oars you know, to get back to, to, to safety. And I just want to mention one sidebar to all this, a little bit of a cool backstory for you. You're, you're Canadian, but you did, like any smart Canadian, you decided to move to like one of the warmest parts of the country <laughs> and you're in Arizona now. So yeah. you're enjoying the sun there, which is great. A little bit more about you. Tell my audience about something called Level Up. How can they use a tool like this to address student behavior and emotional issues? Yeah, definitely. So, so like think back to, you know, when I was a teacher in the classroom and, and so then when Level Up actually came, we're fast forwarding from like the late 90s all the way to 2014. So there's a lot that happened in the process to get me to get to Level Up. But um, really what happened was I saw this speaker working with students with skills that mirrored social and emotional skills and they skyrocketed their results. So when I saw that, I thought, okay, I've got to find a way to put these ideas into curriculum. Went to work for Pearson Education and I sold this product called Novanet all across the US. Wow. And uh, it was a credit recovery program. So, you know, meaning that they could, students could recover their credits online. It was one of the first programs. And I kept meeting with the product development team and saying, hey, I've got these social and emotional skills and they weren't called that. I'm like, I've got these skills that can help students with their academics. But, uh, you know, would you consider perhaps putting it into Novanet and trying it out and see if it could help with their academics? And the product development team is, what are they? What are they? And I'm like, well, they're social and interpersonal, you know, how to navigate social situations, resolve conflicts show respect towards other people and they're just looking at me like what what are you talking about and then there's emotional skills like recognizing other people's emotions and empathy and being able to see the emotions of others and being able to cope with frustrations i think that these skills would help these students with this product called novanet and then get to the academic which is the cognitive side and they're looking at me like yeah i don't know well let's maybe pull the teachers and see what they think so it didn't go with pearson novanet but then years later i had the chance to uh, submit for a character ed grant because there's only one character program in arizona at the time and i would go down to the offices of this character ed program and meet with the people and i was trying to partner all the time like hey i've got this curriculum you know this stuff 
that could really help with academic skills. I was trying so hard to push it somewhere. And um, it, in the end, it didn't go anywhere until I stood up in front of Arizona Department of Ed, presented a program and shared these ideas and I got chosen. And then what happened was it was an educator that guided me to write Level Up. So it, it wasn't like I just randomly came with this. I was trying so hard to get these skills, these social, emotional, and cognitive skills in somewhere. And in the end, when it would have fit in Pearson's um, curriculum, you know, it was crazy because I was actually presenting my stuff to a publisher and someone from the product management team from Pearson was in the meeting and they said, yeah, Andrea's been trying to push this stuff since like 2006, seven, eight, and then it was like 2014. So by the time, you know, I got the chance to work with students, I was so thrilled and excited. So, you know, how could people use these? Well, these concepts really do help students with their self-regulation to get the skills needed to get to the academics. That's really the bottom line of everything. Yeah, and I think what's amazing about how you describe that evolution is you couldn't get an ear 10, 15 years ago, and now this is out everywhere. So, you know, this is like caught fire that people recognize. And this even happened, I think, pre-pandemic, but even more so now we're seeing people are recognizing that these soft skills, which even by name sounds small or unimportant, is so much more than that, that we've got to get these primal needs addressed before we can get kids really moving into a higher cognitive thought process. So you and I, you know, we could riff on this forever, couldn't we? Right. But, right. Uh, there's, there's so much to it. Absolutely. So it, on that note, tell me how you made your way. I think there's, this is sort of the beginning of that description, but how did you make your way over to the world of neuroscience? Yeah, well, it wasn't my choice. I, I didn't, you know, write that down. It was nowhere on my goal list. I had no clue this was going to happen. And it was actually when I got chosen for the grant, I got this, this bucket of funds that was going to me to put these programs into five sites. And one of the five sites, the school administrator brought me in and he said, listen, I can't use the program as it is. You've got to write me a second book. And you've got to understand Carol Dweck and mindset. I didn't even know who Carol Dweck was. I'm like writing down Carol Dweck. Do I have her name right? And then he said, and you got to understand how the brain works. And I'm like, what's the brain? And he actually gave me these books, like Sousa's How the Brain oh, Works. Wow. I'm interviewing him for the second time next week. But at the time that he gave me this, now go back 2014. Uh, he said, you don't have to do this, but I would really like it if you could write a second book, which was how Level Up came to be. And um, and it was overwhelming. In the very beginning, I was I thought, could I do this? Is this in my wheelhouse? Can I really understand these concepts? Looking at Sousa's work and looking at John Medina's brain rules. Someone gave me brain rules when I was a sales rep, like years ago. And I thought, who's like, why are you giving me this book? How, what does this have to do with sales? And it went on my bookshelf. And then when this guy said, you got to understand the brain, I'm like, where's that brain book? So it just kind of happened that at the time I was being mentored by this guy named John Asraf, who used Mark Waldman as his neuroscience researcher. So Asraf said, you know, contact Mark, see if you can pay him to teach you how the brain works. And that's really what I did. I, I got him to work with me to create Level Up. And 
at the time I remember he was teaching me, I had probably the deer in the headlights look like you, you know, when someone's explaining something to you, I'd never thought about my brain. He's talking about the limbic area, the amygdala, and he was nice and patient, but I thought still at the time it took me, it was a transition before I got it so that I could explain it to others. So that's really how it, it came to be. That's amazing. And think about, you know, most of the things that we're getting, you know, you're getting the word out in the educational field had its roots in places like the corporate world, like you, like you referred to. I was thinking about an article I read, uh, The Power of Small Wins in, in a Harvard Business Review, yeah. and how this stuff amazingly doesn't either start in education or just seems to take so long to make its way over, which kind of goes back to what we said earlier about all your, you know, sales pitches that this is, this is important stuff and people weren't tuning in until it became right in their face. So I'm, I'm just glad that, that you've been able to then extend that now that you have that audience, you know, that audience and that power of, of recognition. Could you tell us a little bit about your work with Mark Robert Waldman? Yeah. So, so it started in 2014 when I hired him I just said, you know, could you meet with me back then we use Skype. And um, he was reasonable. It wasn't crazy. With, with the funds that I got from the grant, I funneled some towards working with him and we would work weekly. And I think I was one of his very first students. Since then, he started this neuro coaching certification program and has taken like hundreds of people through. Now, not everyone completes the course. So, you know, I just completed it and it took me two years to complete a one-year course. Most people don't because it's really difficult. And he, he wants to make it that way because he's so serious about the topic. And he wants to make sure that every student that he certifies represents him in a certain way. And um, he wants to make sure that we're talking the talk the way that a neuroscience researcher would. So very kind, compassionate, incredible teacher, um, patient, but very strict with the, the protocol that he wants all the students to go through. And I think that's the one that's the advanced certification in mindfulness-based neurocoaching, is that right? That is it, that is it. It was a year, it, it's, some people complete it in a year. Um, one of my good friends did it in a year and she got certified before I did, which really motivated me to figure out how I was gonna do this. But some people never complete it because the last assignment, there's a lot of things we have to do. The, the podcast was a part of the certification. You have to show that you can teach and understand neuroscience. There's a coaching component where I have to be able to take someone and solve their problem, whether it's a traumatic situation and you use a mindful base mindfulness based approach and then there's this place where you have to write an abstract or a research paper and you have to go on pubmed.gov and find articles to support what you want to prove and you may or may not prove it and this is where i got stuck i just had a really hard time finding articles in neuroscience and education that we're going to prove how important it was for this field and it just took me since i i started trying in october would submit it and it would get sent back no this is not what i'm looking for and it reminded me of when i was in university and i got an e back and i thought e meant excellent not like <laughs> e you failed i thought well hey, this is going to be great oh my gosh. i sent it in and then it's like no you're you haven't got it yet 
I'm thinking, wait, what do you mean I don't have it yet? What am I missing? And then we would have a call and we had a call, I think, Christmas Eve for two hours. He sat with me explaining and going through the articles and saying, I want to sh you to show me that you really understand how the brain works. And I'm thinking, do you understand how the brain works? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to strangle you. It's just past me. But that's the point. The point is, is sometimes it takes a lot of tries. And sometimes as a researcher, you want to prove something like that's, you know, we're, we're saying, I want to prove that educational neuroscience is so important in our schools. And sometimes there is no proof that you get to the end of what you want to prove. And, and the answer is, well, we don't know yet. It may or it may not. So, and it's so open-ended, like you said that, and you talked a lot about the qualitative gritty work you had to do but you also wrote uh in your notes to me that 200 hours like that is not a small feat like you said in a, in a year so both qualitatively and quantitatively you put a lot into that I hope you feel like um if you're able to really translate that to, to you know to help people but it seems like with your work you're showing that so that's exciting Thank you. It does take time. So like some of the things in there were was Joseph Ledoux and his memory consolidation and reconsolidation. And then I was interviewing someone on self-esteem and she was doing this runway to help the kids with their self-esteem and trauma came up. And that's when I kind of started to tie in the neuroscience. And, and that's where I wanted to do this course because I wanted to have a place to go to check. Like, do I have this right? Before I start doing a podcast on this, you kind of need to know if the research is right. And before I was paying him anyway, I would call him up on Skype. It was like an hourly thing. And once you join his certification, you've got lifetime access to other people you can ask and just make sure that you've got the research right. Do I have this right? Am I saying it right? And that's important. Oh my gosh, that is so important because we hear so many claims and there's, you know, we're all worried in our world about misinformation mm -hmm. and anybody can make any claim and they say, whenever I hear they say, my first question is, who are they? And, <laughs> and having that preparation and being able to back it up is power because you, you're doing it with the convincing proof that you, you can justify. And I think that's important more than ever in our in our instant information world today. Well, in that case, I'm gonna ask you to kind of bullet this, right? If you had to summarize how the brain impacts learning, achievement, well-being, and results, how would you like try to paraphrase that? Yeah, no, that goes back to my number one value of health. So before we started looking at the brain, we didn't know all of this. So go back to when I was in high school, no one was talking about, well, what are you eating that's, you know, good for your brain? Um, you know, I'm sure we ate all the wrong things. And in PE class, nobody was telling us not to butt our heads with the soccer balls. All these things that we now know can damage the brain, the prefrontal cortex, and our brain is involved in everything we are and everything we do. So it, it's important for me now, I watch what I eat, I watch what I do, and then I do the same for my kids, making sure they protect their brain and explain to them, them why, you know, I'm not just being like really paranoid parent, I want you to get a great job in the future because you can think and plan, you haven't done something to ruin your brain that we now know food, nutrition, exercise, all these things can help the brain and we know what damages it. So 
I'd say that would be the very first thing, like just like social and emotional skills help us get to the cognitive skills in the classroom. Brain health is really why I started season seven of the podcast on health and well-being, because we really need to know this. It's there's such an underlying shift towards everybody wants to know, like, how can I improve my mental and physical health? And and it's urgent. It's not how can I slowly improve? It's we need to put this first to have the focus that we need to excel in our year and whatever we're doing. Yeah, I'm going to tie that into something you mentioned to me, one fourth of Americans. So I did the quick math on this. That's about yeah. 90 million people just yeah. in the United States are saying, yeah, I need to make a commitment to improve my health, be it all those things you mentioned, exercise, sleep, diet, uh, nutrition, mental health, and well-being. That is an amazing, that statistic is amazing because it says to me, this is the start of a recognition by many of us saying, I need to do better, which which is the opening. I, I guess it's the, the door prying open, right? That, that's getting that opportunity. And then sharing some of this fact-based information. I loved how you talked about how in your paraphrasing, really this essence of priming the brain in you know, getting us not just so locked into those primal states, which so much of what happens in our lives, it seems like uh, today, it can can really make us prone to that, but sort of shifting it to that next gear, which is really just an amazing thing about that. Going back to your book, uh, you know, of course you've written two books. You give some examples, and you're writing a third, I, I should mention, uh, which we'll put in the show notes some information about so people can see that. But can you give us some examples of several strategies you share in the book? Yeah, so, so just... When I wrote the book, you got to think back to when I was a teacher in the classroom. So what happened was, was when I left the classroom, I went to work for that speaker and he was working with these skills with students that were like attitude building, confidence building, setting goals. And I created a curriculum back then. So this is like, you know, way before I correlated it to social and emotional skills. So if you open the book up now that we know what the social emotional skills I have phases in there. But when I first wrote the curriculum, it was like, what's setting these students on this crazy trajectory that's getting them from C grades to A grades to, you know, being a bench warmer on their sports team to being a starting lineup. And the first thing was attitude. We call it mindset with, with Carol Dweck, but you know, that was, one of the first things that we worked with these kids with. And so, and it's, it goes back like this was the late nineties and we're still talking about the importance of attitude. And then I was on the hiking trails the other day and I heard some ladies talking about, they were taking a course and they were talking about reacting versus responding. And that's right in here. This is stuff that we've been teaching these kids all along. You know, the difference between when you react to something let, let, I'll use an example. So one of my girlfriends back in high school, I said hi to her and she didn't say anything back. And, you know, that caused us to not talk for a few weeks. So I reacted. I was like, oh, she's mad at me. And now this is like a typical thing that would happen in a high school classroom. Right. So I use this example all the time and the kids are like, oh yeah, you know, they get it. And then what really happened, if I was to have responded, hey, and her name's Yolanda, this is like a real person. Hey, Yolanda, why did you ignore me 
that day. And then she would have told me the truth. Hey, I didn't have my contacts in. I didn't even see you <laughs> waving at me. So it's translated all those years that that's the example I used back in the late 90s with this girl from high school. And I used it when I got the character grant. It's in the Level Up book. You know, we have to ask questions to get the answers to figure out what's going on instead of reacting. And it can happen on email, like you misinterpret something. So you got to figure out, and these are like the basic skills, but it, it causes problems in the classroom. It causes problems in the workplace and with families. If you don't ask questions, you don't know. It reminds me of something I heard once about the stories we tell ourselves. Like, And unfortunately, the brain is primed to go right to primal states much more quickly and powerfully than it is to those higher cognitive states. And when we are in that state of mind, we're actually filling our store, our mind with information we think is correct. And it's almost always wrong. I saw that statistic somewhere and it was amazing to me. So that's such a great way to help kids uh, prime their mind to shift to that greatness that you were talking about. Because typically if a kid's a good enough athlete, that gets them only so far if they're a pretty smart kid uh, in class. It's the mindset, it's that attitude, it's that not give up and, and if I just push a little harder kind of resilience. So that's such, such, such a great thing. So you have your own podcast and you mentioned that. I had a really great experience being on it earlier this year. Yeah. You talked to me about, uh, about my book and I, I just thought, gosh, seven seasons, I think you said. You have to have some favorite episodes and you can't, and you can't use me <laughs> unless you were thinking of me, but uh, some of your favorite guests, could you name a couple, you know, and, and like why, and of course we'll link to your podcast after. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. For sure. Of course. I wrote your, your episode down. You know what? It was really cool as well that when I connected with you, that we instantly formed a connection because you know, people, my husband knows being in Paramus and. So that's like the fun part of this, that you don't realize that until you reach out and put yourself into the world, sure, it's scary and, you know, you might mess up and all this, but you actually learn so much from each person. It's It's been an incredible experience. Like if I go back to season one, when I first launched, I asked Dr. Dan Siegel because he was one of the the authors of one of the books that I had uh, brainstormed the power and purpose of the teenage brain. And he was a big guy, one of the top people that I could have asked, but I asked him anyway, and he said yes. And so I thought, okay, I'll get him on. And I loved interviewing him because then I actually started doing his mindset meditation that he has that's scientifically proven to have all these health benefits. And you know, if if we're not doing the things that people are saying are so important ourselves, then we're missing out. So that's where I started to realize, wow, I can start to implement some of the strategies people are sharing and improve me, my family, my life while I'm sharing it with people around the world. So I love um, I love Dr. Dan Siegel. John Medina was another fun one. Um, because he did brain rolls and and I was given that book and I, I thought who's giving me brain rolls and then he it turns out to be this leader and somebody that I really need to know with education in the brain. And what was fun with john Medina was that we were doing an audio interview it wasn't face to face, so I couldn't see his background and I was talking about the situation where art link letter 
um, was talking with Walt Disney when he, when Walt Disney was first looking at Disneyland and an art link letter couldn't see his vision. And he was explaining like theory of mind, maybe of art link letter um, was connected. They use different language. Maybe, you know, art link letter could have seen Disney's vision, but he didn't. And then Medina says behind me, I actually have a, a picture of what Walt Disney envisioned on my wall. It's in my office. It's what I use to motivate myself. And so like all these little connections, and then uh, with time, you start connecting all the people that you're speaking and learning from to your future episodes. So I think that's, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is like all the connections that you make, what you learn, improving my life, improving others, and then continuing to draw back and say, oh, you know, way back, you know, when we first started out, we interviewed um, so-and-so, and this is still ties in two years, three years later. Yeah, and like you said, you're going to have guests on again because they've got a new or evolved component or you just need a, I think people can benefit from a refresher. So that's that's such a great part of that network you created. Speaking of network, and, and just back to your husband really quick, it, it was such an amazing story because I spent the first 10 years of my career as an educator, both as a special education teacher and an assistant principal in Paramus before I moved to East Brunswick. And here we were talking and like, we know someone who, you know, that third person yeah. thing, it was yeah. amazing. So is. that is the power of that networking. And, yeah. and I was so excited to hear that. I'm, I'm you know, uh, texting my friends in Paramus and of course, Paramus, if, if people are hearing this, is that episode in Seinfeld about the malls, that's where they were. They were in the mall capital <laughs> of the world, Paramus. Right. So, yeah, that's how they that was, knew each other. They're hanging out at the mall. Everyone yeah, knows everyone yeah, at the mall. That's how they network. Speaking of that again, 150,000 and growing downloads of your own podcast. So you're building a larger and growing audience who obviously wants to hear about neuroscience. We talked about it earlier with 90 million Americans, uh, you know, wanting to improve this part of their lives, this important part. So there is really this you know, I think expansion of and further development of recognition. And what I love is you you talk about that in facts, you back it up with research and you support it with some of the rigor you've gone through. And 155 countries are listening to you. I didn't even know there was 155 countries in the world. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think the total has got to be close to maybe 200. Yeah. That's amazing. And how you can actually see those graphics pop up as you're watching your podcast. It tells us that people no matter where they are, need to hear this stuff. And that's a powerful thing. What do you think of that, that, that broader reach your, your, and impact you're making? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't expected. You know, when, when we start out, just like you're starting out now, you don't really know, you don't really see the end vision of this. I just thought, well, I've got this content. I have this podcast themed website. I better do this. I better figure this out. You don't think like, a few years down the line, what it's going to be, what it turns into, all the opportunities that come from it. These just are things, the byproduct of doing the work, of doing everything weekly, daily, and just keep going and don't give up. So it, it has shocked me. For my 200th episode, I'm going to have my husband back on. He was my first episode. Uh and 
Great. He got off of a plane. He was working with LAUSD schools and he got off a plane. He put a suit jacket on my desk and I said, hey, look, speak into the microphone and can you answer these questions? And he's like, yeah, sure. But he said a lot of ums back then, you know, but it was amazing that he did it. I just needed somebody else to interview him. Like, I'll just grab him. He'll do it. <laughs> And, and he answered all these questions and we talked about social emotional learning, the importance of it in the workplace, in the schools. And now I wanna go back and ask him, you know, what he has seen, what it's taken, because it's been a family, it, it really has been. In order for me to do the editing I need, I need to be at my desk sometimes into the night and he has to pitch in extra on top of his responsibilities with his work and everything so you know there's a lot of behind the scenes to keep it going and i have not outsourced anything yet so it's just to, to get to this point going into seven seasons i do two a year so i split it up like the school year i would go till june and then i make a new season just because i just needed something to switch my mind i need a new topic and it's really just for me that I switched the seasons up, but we're going into, you know, this is our seventh season, our, uh, I don't even know what year I'm thinking, three years. And just, you know, the evolution of everything, what we've learned along the way, the connections we've made, the friends we've made, the opportunities, it's led me to so many different opportunities. And it just keeps growing and getting more and more and keeping me sharp because I have to always be doing research and reading something. So, you know, all of this, you wouldn't have known this to start out with. Yeah. It's like you have a, an accountability or a responsibility larger than yourself. And that that's a very yeah. empowering, I suppose sometimes overwhelming, but more empowering and, and amazing experience. And I got to talk to your husband someday because he sounds like he's got the honeydew list down pat. <laughs> <laughs> so he sounds like a good guy. You yeah, know? he pitches in. He definitely yeah. pitches in for sure. for sure. Good team. Good team. Yeah. So your next book, which is coming out, I think within the next year, is Stress Learning in the Brain. And boy, I want to get a copy of this. It, what are a few juicy takeaways? I, I know you don't want to give away the whole book, but a preview of, of uh, what we what we can come to expect about it. So what I did was everything I've learned from the podcast, I'm looking to get it all in one place and submitting that to Corwin Press for, for this book and this publication. I've talked to them already. The topic is of interest, but it's just getting everything all in, into one place. So it's everything I've learned, all the speakers into one book. So it's like Mary Helen Imardino Yang from California's Candle uh, Department from USC. And she talks about how we learn by feeling. And so all these little, little but important tidbits bring the bigger picture of how we learn and bringing learning in the brain to everybody. Because when I first sat down with Mark Waldman and he explained it to me, it wasn't easy. I remember the very beginning learning curve. So I just want it to be something that anyone can pick up and get like a, a, a short version of how to get started with understanding the brain and learning. Nice and concrete and simplistic. And, and uh, that often hear that, like oh, you could read it in a weekend, maybe kind of a thing. It sounds like what's really cool about that is you're taking that from your podcast, which means you're bringing all these minds together and speaking to your audience through that book. It's, it's, I got to get a copy, like I said. So I'm looking forward to it. You got to finish it, right? I gotta yeah, finish no it. pressure. <laughs> 
So, wow, that's great. Well, le- the last thing I want to ask you is, is there anything I didn't ask you that you say, oh, I wish he had asked me, I want to share? Yeah, it's not about me. It's about you because uh, I'm so impressed with you. I, I was impressed with you interviewing you and now knowing that you've started this I want to know what your vision is for your podcast and how I can help in any way to put people in front of you, share, because that's really, it's uh, the, the creative play, not the competitive. So I just wonder what's your vision for what you're building? Where are you going from here and how can we help over here? Oh, I love it. So giving back, that's, that's great. So I think, you know, my the name of my uh, podcast is Big Ideas in Small Windows, and the reason that it's titled that is, I learned that educators and families are always busy doing something, and sometimes the things that we really want to get done get pushed to the side, and if we keep the perspective that we can do powerful things in brief moments, that that can really make a big difference. It really ties into a lot of your neuroscience work. And I think that people need to know that there are solutions out there. And so if I can offer some of those solutions through my writing and through my guests on the podcast, then they're gonna be able to walk away with a few concrete things. And it's kind of like when you go to a great workshop and you walk away and say, boy, I learned three great things I can use tomorrow. That's the kind of solutions I wanna produce for the people that are benefiting from our work. And so you've been able to do that as one of those people. And I'm really appreciative of that. And I, I really look forward to continuing to work with you in, in any capacity. In that, well, absolutely, in that absolutely. Because I didn't get here uh, all on my own. I just reached out and asked everyone that I could think of for help like a million times. And, and I, when someone says, doesn't answer i just keep pushing through until you know you either get told to go away or whatever but you just keep figuring it out and and you'll just keep plowing forward and find your way and i think it's incredible what you're building so you're in the how-to section of iTunes. and education yep Yep. education how to so we're in the same category we'll be competing there because i'm very no competition this is friendly competition (laughs) right this is friendly yeah absolutely because we can both share kind of branches of the same ideas sort of like watching two slightly similar thematically speaking movies but they offer a slightly different benefit to the to the audience and that's that's how I see uh, all of our work, really. You know, we can just share more information. I hope someday I can say 150,000 yeah. and 155 countries, because that means that that number of people is gaining from what we're trying to offer them. And so, yeah, listen, listen, this time last year, it was 50,000. I thought that was cool, right? And, yeah. and, you know, it's just crazy how it just snowballs. The more you get, the faster it goes. And, and so absolutely you're going to get there and it's it's going to be fun to do this with you and we can leverage each other i can leverage you know say say what you're doing what host you've got going and whoever's listening here will head over there it's just the way that it works love it looking forward to talking to you many more times to come and getting that word out it's been such a pleasure would you mind andrea just sharing with my audience how you can be reached Yeah, for sure. If you go to achieveit360.com, that's where you can find the podcast. You can get links to go find it on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. And you can learn a little bit more about what I'm doing, you know, about us over here. But achieveit360.com is the best place. And you can find the 
the podcast anywhere, um, iTunes, anywhere you find a podcast. Yeah, it was so easy for me to just look you up and then do what you said, like shoot my shot and ask you for an interview. That's, that's the way people can find you easily. So thanks again so much. This was so informative. My audience is going to get a lot out of it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. My pleasure. You too. I hope you enjoyed my podcast, Big Ideas and Small Windows. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Jethro Jones, another giant in the podcasting and educational leadership world. We'll see you next time. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet Tier 1 standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.